0: Story Two of the Human Boy Again by Eden Philpotts. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Story Two, The Doctor's Parrot. When Johnson Maximus, young Corky's cousin, left Merivale, he went to sea, and a very curious thing happened. He went into what is called the mercantile marine, which means liners and not battleships or destroyers still you see a good deal of the world and have not got to fight for your country but only for yourself a pension is not so certain in the mercantile marine as it is in the royal navy but johnson maximus told when he came off a voyage from the east indies that he was hopeful he had seen a good many curious things and brought home several including a parrot chiefly gray with a good deal of red about its tail but what was far more wonderful than the parrot was the reason that johnson maximus had brought it home he had brought it home and also a very fine tiger-skin as gifts to dr Dunstan. and when corkey reminded him very naturally that he had always hated Dunstan as much as anybody when he was at Merivale, and had been jolly thankful to leave and go on to the worcester training-ship for the mercantile marine johnson maximus admitted it but confessed that looking back he had found it different and felt that Dunstan was an awfully good sort and that he owed him a great deal but all the same johnson maximus never would come and see the doctor in after life Corky asked him why and he said he wanted to remember the awe and terror of the doctor and thought if he ever saw him again it might not be the same because since the merivelle days johnson had seen so many queer places and things including his own captain in the mercantile marine who johnson maximus said was himself one of the wonders of the deep of course johnson maximus left merivelle long before i came there he was in fact nearly twenty when he sent the parrot by young corkey and it seemed that the doctor had never had a gift from an old pupil until that time and though corkey said he thought the doctor would rather have had almost anything than a parrot still it was so and he took the parrot and the tiger-skin and corkey told me that johnson maximus got a letter of four pages from dr Dunstan, thanking him for these things and telling johnson many facts about parrots in general the great point about the parrot was not so much its appearance as the thing that johnson had taught it to say simply looked at from the parrot point of view it was gray with a black tongue and curious white lids to its eyes that went up and down like blinds it climbed about its cage with its claws and bill and had a way of eating nuts especially walnuts which was rather amusing we hoped that it might have learnt some sailor words and would bring them out some day when least expected but if it knew them it never spoke them it only said three words and they were rather cheek but they were rather romantic in a way when you knew what young corky knew and was able to tell me it was this that milly dunstan and johnson maximus were undoubtedly engaged in secret during his last term at merivale she was just an ordinary little squirt of a girl with nothing to look round after but a lot of hair and eyes that happened to be uncommonly blue by some accident and naturally the moment johnson went into the mercantile marine she forgot him and turned her attention to other chaps until old dunstan sent her to a boarding-school but she jolly soon made him let her come back again and she was back some terms before the parrot arrived then the parrot settled down and suddenly said after it had been at merivale four days dear milly dunstan dear milly dunstan and after that the wretched girl chucked about ten chaps and blubbed in secret for hours. So Corky said, and let it be known to the sixth that she was true to Johnson Maximus, because through many and many a watch on the trackless main, when he ought to have been resting from his labours in the mercantile marine, he had sat hour after hour by the parrot and repeated, doubtless many millions of times, the footing words, Dear Millie Dunstan, i don't think the doctor was so pleased about it as milly was certainly he did not cry and Corky said if the parrot had begun by speaking dr Dunstan might have considered it cheek on johnson's part and sent the parrot back with the four-page letter but seeing that he had accepted it before it said dear milly Dunstan," he couldn't well return it Besides, in the meantime, Johnson Maximus had set sail for South America, and Steggles foretold that he would bring another parrot back from there, which he might train to say something even stronger. He told Millie so, and rose her hopes a good deal. But Steggles also told her that she needn't get excited about it, because her father would never let her marry a chap in the mercantile marine, and that sailors have a wife in every port this was that same steggles who did many things at merivale in the past but he was now exceedingly old and expected at any time to be taken away many believed he was nearly eighteen but he had nothing much to show it except experience the first thing to do was to give the parrot a name and milly told us in triumph that she had made the doctor call it joe of course this was the christian name of johnson maximus though i believe the doctor had quite forgotten that anyway joe is a very good name for a parrot and everybody got very fond of him and old briggs lectured on him and told us that parrots reach a great age and have often been known to live a hundred years and more owing to their healthy diet and the number of bites they take to each mouthful and their habit of never worrying whatever happens old briggs himself is frightfully keen about fruit and nuts and such things and i believe in secret he hopes he'll live a hundred years too but nobody else does steggles discovered a likeness between joe and old briggs they shut their eyes in the same way certainly but joe's eyes were like gray diamonds and old briggs's through many years of looking through microscopes at seeds and bits of seaweeds and stones and so on have got a sort of film over them and are not up to much now even with two pairs of spectacles to help them well joe was as good a parrot as ever you saw and there is no doubt that he would have outlived everybody at Merivale, and got to be a sort of heirloom in Dr. Dunstan's family, if he had been spared. But after he had been there two years, at the beginning of his seventh term, in fact, the great and sorrowful death of the parrot took place, and such was the general feeling about him, that there would certainly have been a public funeral if the doctor had allowed it mathers went further and wanted it to be a military funeral and have the cadet corps out with reversed muskets but mathers who is merely mathers minimus really though his brothers have long since left is a chap who is like a girl in some ways being easily made to laugh or cry to show you the peculiar sort of ass he is i may say that he always writes home letters of dreadful anguish at the beginning of the term and then when the holidays really do come seems never to want to go home at all trelawny says this is contrary to nature and will end in pure insanity for mathers but Fowl, on the other hand says that mathers is already mad i heard brown the mathematical master speak about matthews too to mannering a new undermaster they were watching mathers in the playground and he was in one of his most cheerful moods and imitating a monkey on a barrel-organ catching fleas he certainly did it jolly well and even a chap or two from the sixth stopped to watch and then when he saw these chaps looking on he got above himself and began playing the giddy ox and spoilt the show then it was that brown gave his opinion of mathers and said that he had the artistic temperament whatever that may be anyway it is no catch for though boys laugh at you they despise you and so do masters masters never seem to have the artistic temperament much or if they have had it they get well over it after being masters a few terms i suppose it was the artistic temperament that made mathers join the cadet corps which he did do chiefly that he might wear the red bags with black stripes and drill once a week under the sergeant he was rather small and it took all his strength to carry the musket around for the corps had twenty-five old muskets and i believe it was a regular military affair under government in a sort of vague way anyhow we had percussion caps for the muskets and fired them off at times in the course of the drill and the first time that young mathers had a musket with caps he turned rather white heating explosions and noise of all kinds and said out loud in the face of the corps to the drill sergeant who stood in front of the brigade is it loaded sergeant the sergeant who was old and had seen battle and had a grey moustache and medals and a fierce expression looked at him and merely said good god boy do you think i should be standing here if it was then he spat a scornful spit and twirled his moustache and seemed to think he'd come down a good deal in the world to have to drill kids like mathers so always afterwards if anybody wanted to rot mathers and most people did they had only to say is it loaded sergeant and he instantly became depressed and mournful or got into a frightful bait one or other according to his frame of mind at the time i am telling you all these things about mathers for two reasons first because he is the principal person after joe in this story and secondly because he was my chum my name is blount well known at dunstan's as having had diphtheria and two doctors in my first term and recovering what i saw in mathers i never could tell but there was something about the piffling duffer that i liked his good nature was very marked and he was peculiarly generous of dried fruits which drew me to him as much as anything his father was a merchant and traded with various foreign places especially celebrated for dried fruits and in this manner much grand tuck that ordinary people have to pay pretty stiffly for such as candied melons and crystallized pineapples and other amazing food very seldom seen in a general way came to bunny mathers as a matter of course from time to time and he thought no more of opening a hamper and finding the richest and rarest things in it than i should of getting a windfall from our apple orchard this provender he gave to his friends and to those he wanted to be his friends and some became his friends in consequence but their friendship as mathers rather bitterly pointed out to me sank to nothing between the times of the hampers whereas i made mathers a real chum and once when owing to some fearful crisis in the sugared violet trade with france his father forgot for six weeks to send mathers any hamper at all i remained unchanged then the parrot died and naturally the first question was why we had a debate on it our public debates are listened to by the doctor and the masters and the subjects are chosen by them but sometimes we have private debates that are not listened to and we had one on joe and the government led by McMullen, our champion debater held that joe had died a natural death and the opposition led by richmond thought he had died by treachery on a division the government was defeated by two votes owing to the magnificent speech of richmond and Steggles said there ought to be an inquest and a post-mortem and so did peters who was positive the death was a murder the mystery was who could have done it because joe had not an enemy in the world unless it was mrs dunstan's cat which he mimicked to its face and then barked suddenly and made the cat think there was a dog after her but this cat could not have done it the parrot was found dead in its cage on the morning of a day in february it was quite stiff and dignified no cat had touched him mathers said it cut him to the heart to think of poor joe falling off his perch in the dead of night and lying helpless there and perhaps calling for help he said if there had been loving hands to give it a drop of brandy and put its claws in mustard and water it might be among us yet and he went on in such a harrowing way and thought such sad ideas that at last i had to smack his head and make him shut up there was no inquest and no post-mortem for the doctor refused to have joe examined much to our astonishment in fact we thought it was rather unsportsmanlike of the doctor to hustle joe into his grave so jolly quickly the corpse disappeared and the doctor was slightly changed for several days he had got very fond of the bird and i think he missed hearing it say dear milly Dunstan, dear milly Dunstan." which it did hundreds of times in the day when it was feeling well and happy then a week after joe was buried came the marvellous determination of mathers for the first time in his life i felt a sort of pride in mathers and was glad to be his chum at the same time the danger was frightful and i had no idea what the end might be only two people knew it milly and myself i rather advised him against it but she was hot and strong for it so mathers went ahead into a regular sea of danger not that he did it for milly far from it he did it for himself and to advance his prosperity with the doctor his prosperity with the doctor was extremely low and he had made one mistake already by offering the doctor half a box of dates in a rather patronizing way and so now it was neck or nothing and mathers well knew the frightful risks he ran in the thing he was going to do he said i always make a success or an utter failure at games in class and everything either this will make me the doctor's friend for life or make him my bitter enemy for life The idea in the strange mind of Bunny Mathers was to bring Joe back again to Merivale. He could not raise him from the dead, but he meant to do the next best thing, and dig him up and secretly stuff him. Only Mathers could have imagined this, though there were one or two other chaps equal to doing the thing, if somebody else had thought of it. I said to Mathers, what do you know about stuffing parrots? And he said, more than you might think he had read the article on stuffing beasts in the Encyclopaedia britannica which briggs allowed him to refer to little knowing the reason and he said that stuffing was simpler than embalming and that his brother mathers minor had often stuffed bats and moles and other things in the holidays at home he told me that all you want for bird stuffing is wire cotton wool and pepper and for sixpence he could get all these things in great abundance milly dunston knew where joe was buried and the only difficulty in the opinion of mathers was digging him up for some reason though he did not shrink from the horrors of getting joe ready for the stuffing treatment he hated the digging up so i undertook to do this there was little danger as joe had been buried in a secluded rockery under a large fern where nobody ever went milly showed me the spot on a half-holiday when i was supposed to be stopping in owing to bronchitis or something of that sort and i popped out got a trowel from the gardener's potting-shed and dug up joe he had been very nicely buried in a large empty tobacco tin of browns and i also made the grave look all right again and put back the wooden gravestone milly had stuck this up and on it freckles had carved for her the rather sad words to the memory of darling joe died seventh february nineteen o one age unknown regretted by all owing to the weather being frosty and the ground simply full of splinters of ice joe had fortunately kept perfectly this comforted mathers a good deal and when i told him the poor old chap was not even gamey he was much pleased he worked in fearful secrecy at night and kept joe in his play-box by day most of the actual work was done at the passage window by moonlight and when the moon was no good which happened in two days we used a candle-end once the pepper got up our noses and we both sneezed in a way to wake half the dormitory but nobody suspected and the work was gradually done i merely held things and advised the actual stuffing was entirely the work of bunny when joe was once ready for the cotton wool the stuffing was as simple as possible and owing to his toughness we easily sewed up his chest afterwards but the thing was to get him to look as if he was alive this is evidently the great difficulty in the stuffer's art and mathers had not mastered it by any means from the Encyclopaedia britannica i said for a first attempt it is spiffing but all the same joe never looked like that in life or death he is now as it were neither dead or alive mathers admitted this he said he thought it was the want of the eyes and that all would come right when they were in I asked him where he was going to get the eyes, and he said he was going to write to the great Rowland ward for them. This he did do, and they sent a pair of most lifelike parrots' eyes, and only charged three bob. The eyes did a great deal for Joe, and certainly made him look alive, but it was a strange sort of unearthly life, I thought. They made him look creepy, as if he was a ghost risen from the tomb, to haunt somebody who had killed him Also, about this time, we had to get some Condy's fluid to steady poor old Joe down a bit. I thought this was serious, but Mathers said not. He assured me that Condy's fluid is an everyday thing in stuffing parrots and such like. And then I had an idea and got my anti something tooth powder, which also helped, and so it came to be some use after all, which tooth powder seldom is. we varnished the claws and tried to stick back a lot of feathers that unfortunately came out in the process of stuffing then i got a bit of wood and a stick for a perch and we wired joe on and put a walnut at his feet which was a good thought of bunny's because walnuts were always his favorite food then from being very confident and hopeful and full of the doctor's joy and gladness when he should see the parrot mathers sank suddenly into a sort of state of despair he couldn't get the wings right and he said the thought of them tortured him day and night and sent him down three places in his class at each attempt more feathers fell out and finally i got impatient with mathers and told him that if he messed about with the parrot any more the thing would fall to pieces and fail utterly i also reminded him that the matron when passing by the play-boxes the day before had thought there must be a dead mouse behind the wainscot things were in fact coming to a climax and i said that if he'd had the pluck to stuff joe i hoped after all the fearful danger and swat he'd had That he would keep on to the end and give him to the doctor and trust to luck that it would come off all right. Then he lost all heart about it and said that Millie should decide. But he was not fair to her and only showed her the head. The rest he hid from her in a bath towel. Of course, the head was the champion part, owing to the eyes from Roland Ward. She cried first, but in a general way she was delighted she praised mathers and she also said that it would be well to present it quickly to the doctor so that he could get some proper professional staffer to finish it and put a glass case over it as soon as possible of course a glass case was beyond our power still mathers hesitated then urged by me he decided to have a second opinion he said i don't like steggles but he is the oldest and therefore the wisest boy in the school i will show him the work and put myself entirely into his hands there's a fearful risk i replied because steggles doesn't care for man or beast and if he sees a chance to have some frightful score off you he will no he won't answered bunny i shall throw myself on his sportsmanlike feeling he hasn't got any i said but he risked it and for once steggles behaved less like a common or garden cad than usual we showed him the parrot after making him take an oath of secrecy the oath would have been merely a matter of form with him generally for i have known him to break a blood oath as if it was nothing but somehow the excited state of mathers and the extraordinary thing that he had done took the fancy of steggles and he showed a great deal of interest in the parrot and gave us some jolly good advice into the bargain of course he rotted mathers when he got over the shock of the surprise He struck an attitude of horror and fear and terror, and said, "'Great snakes! Is it loaded, sergeant?' Then he pretended it was a ghost, and finally he held his nose and fainted. After all this foolery, Mathers asked him for his candid opinion, and Steggles very kindly gave it. He said, "'If you take my advice, you'll instantly bury it again, for two reasons—' firstly because if the doctor sees it he'll probably expel you and secondly because if you don't the whole school will jolly soon be down with a fell disease to show you what mathers is after hearing this nothing in the world would make him bury the parrot again he said that it was a cruel thing after all the danger and trouble and expense of stuffing joe that steggles should advise him just to bury him again he also said that the slight scent was purely medicinal and that as for expelling if the doctor could really and truly go so far as to expel a boy who had done nothing but try with all his might to give him a moment of great and sudden happiness then the sooner he was expelled and sent to another sort of school the better In fact, he was so worked up by the idea of reburying the parrot that he decided he would carry Joe before the doctor the very next day, either immediately before or after prayers. Steggles merely said that Mathers was young and headstrong, and he hoped that he should be there to see. Then he went, and Bunny and I had a long talk as to whether before or after prayers would be best i said after prayers on a litany morning because the litany always leaves the doctor weak but in a very kind and gentle state whereas before prayers he is sometimes rather short therefore it was so and after the next litany morning mathers went up as bold as brass to the eye and in his hand he carried joe hidden under a clean pocket handkerchief lent by me the doctor had just shut his big prayer-book and he looked down pretty kindly at bunny what have you there mathers minimus he asked little knowing the nature of the thing that was going to burst upon his gaze please sir said bunny it's poor old joe dr Dunstan didn't seem to remember poor old joe what do you mean boy he asked in a changed tone of voice the parrot sir i thought uh, i thought it was a pity he should be lost to you being a beautiful object and i uh, in fact uh, uh, here he is sir stuffed by me and the slight smell is medicinal said mathers then he drew off the handkerchief and held the parrot up to the doctor certainly it was a great effect and at first the doctor was evidently far too astonished to be much obliged to mathers he didn't take the parrot on the contrary he fell back a pace or two and his astonishment seemed slowly to change to a sort of wild horror first he looked at the parrot then he looked at mathers then he regularly glared at the parrot again seen from a distance the effect of the parrot was not good evidently we had lost more feathers than we thought and its back had got a lump between the shoulders more really like a vulture than a parrot still of course one could recognize it mathers held it up then getting frightened he put it down on a form and i knew from the trembling way he began to handle my handkerchief that if the doctor didn't speak pretty soon mathers would blub in public these silences of the doctor's are well known as awful you can hear a pin drop in them and during them his eyes roll round and round in the sockets like Catherine wheels but much slower at last he spoke am i to understand boy mathers that unaided you you dug up or disinterred that unfortunate fowl and then sought to impart to it this bizarre this grotesque this indelicate semblance of life mathers said he was to understand that he added with a shaking voice i did it to give you a pleasure sir On my honour the doctor looked at mathers minimus much puzzled it is hard to conceive that even an immature mind such as you possess could suppose that pleasure would result to any intelligent being from so pitiful and indecent an achievement he said the boy who tore this wretched bird from its last resting-place and set it up to caricature the entire race of Sithicus erythicus however this is no time to investigate your conduct mathers you will join me after evening school in the study then he looked at the parrot again and cleared his throat mathers slunk away to his seat and as he did so suddenly the doctor started and seemed to point like a sporting dog i think he had discovered there was more than met the eye about the parrot he called up macmullen who happened to catch his gaze and told him to take joe to the gardener direct smith to place these remains in the spot i originally selected he said and if anybody ventures to disturb them again the consequences will be exceedingly serious now go to your classes he waved his hand and McMullen took the parrot and nobody ever saw it again but to this day mathers swears that smith never buried him he believes that in some secret place in his house the gardener has joe in a glass case because very truly he says that no ordinary gardener would be likely to resist the temptation of having a rare and beautiful bird to decorate his house besides the glass eyes also it is well known that dr dunstan never goes into the gardener's house which is really the entrance lodge to merivale and is full of smith's wife and children so I dare say Bunny is right there. He told me afterwards that Dunstan was very cold, but not actively angry in the evening. Mathers said that the doctor didn't seem to attach any importance to the fact that he'd stuffed Joe to give him a great and sudden pleasure. Instead, he evidently thought that Bunny had done a rather daring thing to please himself. Unseemly was the word he used, said Mathers to me, he seemed to think it was not a case for much punishment, but all the same he has told me to write out the article on the stuffer's art from the Encyclopedia Britannica, which is rather rot because I shall certainly never want to stuff anything again in this world. I couldn't tell him all I'd been through to do it, because he'd got a sort of beastly idea that I liked doing it, though you know that it was nothing of the sort on the whole it has left him against me and he seems to take a good deal of credit to himself for not making a lot more row about it but whether he's going to let it rankle in his mind so that i may suffer for it more or less till the end of the term or whether when i've done the import he'll feel as usual just neither for me nor against me i can't say yet he might have tried to look at it from my point of view you could hardly expect him to do that masters never do i said it's all the worse for him anyway answered mathers minimus to rebury the parrot was a slight on me in a way because whether he liked it or not he could have seen at a glance the hours and hours of awful trouble and the fearful expense it must have been to me the eyes alone were three shillings and nobody in this world ever threw away valuable money in such a cruel manner "'Besides, if it had gone off well, and he'd taken it as I meant it, "'I fully intended other good surprises for him.' "'You'd better not surprise him again for a jolly long time,' I said. "'He doesn't much like surprises. People don't, when they grow up. "'They have a footling way of preferring everything to drag on in a tame and dull manner. "'My father hates telegrams, for instance.' i had fully meant to get johnson to bring him another and a better parrot said mathers even a pair of parrots might have been arranged and they would have made a nest about april and laid eggs and there would gradually have been parrots for all his daughters and he could have taught them what he liked even to the extent of latin for it is well known that a parrot will learn anything but it's all over now never again will i try to give him pleasure or anybody else either why even milly hasn't pitied me much just because it's all a failure whereas if he'd taken it in a manly way and thanked me before the school and perhaps given us a half-holiday or something and sent the parrot off at once to be measured for a glass case how different it all would have been nobody would have called me body-snatcher then whereas now i shall be called that for life which was all true enough in its way, and he was called body-snatcher forevermore, whereas to show what mistakes happen, I'd done that part simply as a friend. End a story 2